This morning we started a series of messages on the ABCs of Christianity. And the message that we'll be studying on Sunday nights for just a, a few weeks are in 1 Corinthians 13. And likewise will be good for us as well. All because they deal with the proper attitude of heart. When we talk about the heart of the matter, it is the matter of the heart. And we're interested in developing hearts that are into Christ. And so we'll be talking about a 1 Corinthians 13 kind of Christian. And that means a person who learns to love like Jesus. Now, I don't know everything there is to know about you. And you probably don't know everything about me. But this I think I know all about us, that no matter how intelligent we may appear to be, how good looking each one of you are, or how wealthy we may be, or how smooth talking that we may be, that none of us will ever succeed in life if we are filled with pride. You might Agree with me on that. And so tonight's message, I have formed a negative statement. And I try not to do that on, uh, at any time. But, to but tonight, the title of the message is, When We Are Bound to Fail. When We Are Bound to Fail. I like to talk about success. But sometimes we have to be warned about how we can fail if we're not careful. You see, the heart that is filled with haughtiness and pride cannot coexist along with love and humility. It's just impossible. But now I want to remember these two passages before we get to 1 Corinthians 13. One is found in Proverbs 16, 18. And it is very familiar to you because it says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And then consider with me the passage in Proverbs eleven two that says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. So hopefully you were able to write those down. You can look at those at another time. Proverbs 16, 18, and Proverbs eleven two. You see, pride is actually something that is very, very dangerous. And so when Paul talks about God's definition for agape love, in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, he mentions how love is kind. And then he goes on to say, as was read a few moments ago, that love envieth not, that love vaunteth not itself, that it is not boastful, and that love, charity, love is not puffed up. That love is not filled with this thing called pride. Now envy is a very serious, serious problem with many out there in our world. When someone desires something that another has is not necessarily wrong. For example, somebody could say, you know, I, he has an automobile that I really like and, and I'm going to work hard toward getting one just like it. You see, covetousness would be, I want that one, you see. But 
to have something and working hard to get something that was very similar to somebody else's, there's nothing wrong with that. You see, he's not angry with the individual. He's not trying to do harm to the individual. He just wants to have something like somebody else, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But when you have an evil desire, when you wish harm towards some, uh, somebody else, or maybe even are filled with hatred toward that person because they have something you desire, then that's when it becomes wrong, doesn't it? That's when it becomes wrong and you cannot come from a heart that knows how to live. But now envy has a twin sister and it's called jealousy. All <laughs> right? A jealousy is when you possess something and you are so possessive of it that you don't want anybody else to have it. Uh, us as parents know exactly how that is with our children, right? Yeah, they do that a lot. Now, we understand that jealousy at times can be a good thing. You might think, well, what in the world are you talking about? Well, see, God is jealous of you and me. You see? God is a jealous God. Did you know that he is jealous of you and me and that he wants a relationship with us? That's right. He wants to be our God. He wants to be our number one. And he has every right to demand that of us. Now, we've been, to stu we've been uh, studying about that on Sunday mornings, especially throughout the minor prophets and even now in the major prophets as well, that God is trying to get across to these people, I'm number one and I want your love for me. I don't need your love. I want your love and I want to be the number one. You can do away with all those other gods, those idol gods, because I in the one and only almighty God. But jealousy can also be, very serious, be a very serious problem with many individuals. Possessing things and uh, holding to things so tightly that I believe that we're unwilling to, to share with another. Uh, so many times people despise others simply because they are envious or because they are filled with jealousy. So Paul says, love doesn't envy. Now, did you know that this particular problem called envy was really what Jesus, or really what put Jesus on the cross? That's exactly right. Pilate himself knew the reason that Jesus was brought before him. And it's because the Jewish leaders had envied him. Matthew 27, 18. Why did they envy Jesus? Well, Jesus had developed bigger crowds. That Jesus was a greater teacher. He did not have to, to go to any of the school of, of his day to get the knowledge that he had. All the others, that they had to work hard. They had to go to the schools to be able to gain the knowledge. Jesus already automatically had that knowledge because he is God, Right? So he didn't have to go to those schools. And, and so he was the very son of God. He backed up who he was. And through the confirmation of his message by means of the miraculous. Thus, he had that knowledge and they were envious of that. They were envious. And so finally, they blasphemed his holy name. They told these lies about him. And they ultimately sent him to the cross out of nothing more than just envy 
of him. And so in Romans 13, verse 13, Paul reminds us to let us walk honestly as in the day, not in strife and envying. Strife is connected to pride, isn't it? It is. Proverbs 13.10 reminds us, only by pride cometh contention. You see, people who are at odds with one another, oftentimes the very center of that is this thing called pride. Now, know this about pride. Number one, it is dangerous. No doubt. Because of its destructive nature. That pride will destroy homes. Husbands and wives oftentimes can be filled with pride. Each one says, it's my way or the highway, right? In some cases. Pride gets in the way, doesn't it? Neither one is willing to give in at all and to see things from the other's vantage point. I want things to be done my way. That's being filled with pride. And so it destroys homes. But we also learn that churches can be destroyed very much so because of this thing called pride. Again, somebody says, well, I want my way and I will cause problems if I don't get my way. I have heard of churches splitting over the decision on what color those drapes ought to be. Because somebody said, I want this color. And another group of people said, I want this color. And they could never come to amends. That's sad, isn't it? Now that's pride on both sides. Because I'm, I'm telling you, which church could you go to, even though they split, started another? Which one do you get? They both had pride. It's sad, but it's very, very destructive. And then nations fall because of pride. Nations go to war with one another because of pride wanting to dominate over another. And so it is something that is just very, very dangerous. But not only is it dangerous, it is also very, very deceitful. You see, pride is not only dangerous, it's deceitful. Even a thief knows what he is. A thief understands what he's doing wrong. Somebody who is a drunk knows what he is. He doesn't claim to be anything else. He doesn't really try to make excuses. But this man, the prideful man, doesn't really see who he really is. He is filled with pride. But he does not see a problem. We can go to Luke chapter 18, and you might remember the man who went to the temple to pray, and he boasted about how good he was, how compared to the publican who stood afar off from the mercy seat. The problem was really with the Pharisee filled with pride, so proud of his own good works that he really didn't need the Lord. At all. In fact, when he prayed, he really was saying to the Lord, Hey, <laughs> look good, look how good I am. And that is a prideful attitude. In fact, Jesus said two people went to the synagogue that day, but only one left justified. 
And it was that publican who realized who he really was. Well, what is pride? Well, our, our text actually says there that love is not puffed up, right? 1 Corinthians 13, that it's not filled with pride. And so what is that? Well, here's what I believe to be the best definition that you can find. Pride in the heart of any person is this. It is a statement that says, I can live, I can exist without God. That's pride. I can't think of a better definition than that, that I can live and I can exist without God. It's independence of God. That's what it is. It comes from an ungrateful heart and the person who is filled with pride always sees himself as better than somebody else. So, is there a problem with this? Why, yes. We're talking about love, the 1 Corinthians 13 kind of Christian. And according to what the Bible teaches, this particular sin that caused the angels to fall. The angels to fall. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, when mention is made of the qualifications of an elder, right? 1 Timothy 3. And we find there that the, the idea that this particular man is not to be a novice. He's not to be new to Christianity. He's not to be someone who's just a new convert. Someone who's not very seasoned. Not that person lest being lifted up with what? Pride, right? That's what it says. He falleth into the same condemnation of the devil. Now you might remember back in Genesis chapter 3 when Satan came before Mother Eve and he tempted her by what means? Lust of the flesh, lust of the, the eyes, and the pride of life. You see? You can be as gods, Satan said. And so it is. Pride is seen in the way that the devil behaves. He's lifted up with pride, trying to exalt himself to, to the very throne of God. And so it is with, that we too can be guilty of this very dangerous and very deceitful sin. Now, you want to come tumbling down, I'm going to tell you just how you can do it. Just let your heart be filled with pride. Now, turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And let's study for just a, a few moments, if we will, from this wonderful passage. It's a, it's a beautiful, helpful illustration that is given to us by our Lord. Right? And what he is calling here is humility. A beautiful illustration of what he's calling humility. Because you see, he wants us to see just how ugly hearts can be come indeed. Pure, humble hearts. Now Jesus is in the home of a Pharisee. Now beginning in verse 1 of chapter 14... And it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him. 
And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace, and he took him and healed him and let him go. Now that's the setting. Jesus is in the Pharisee's house, and you find that our Lord Jesus Christ is on exhibition in that particular house. Now here's something I want you to understand about pride in connection with this particular situation. Proud people fall when they sit in judgment of other people. Let me say that again. Proud people fall when they sit in judgment of other people. Have you ever been in a situation where you were very, very uncomfortable because the people around you that thought that they were better than you? I have. And maybe it was how man relates to power and the, the way that man relates to distinctiveness. Maybe they were. But know this about prideful people. There always are going to be some who are so insecure about themselves that they are always going to feel threatened by anybody who differs from them. Now, these Pharisees were a lot like that. They were a lot like that. They didn't understand Jesus. They felt threatened by him. And so what oftentimes happens with prideful people is that they get together into a little clique and they're very, very snobbish. They behave very childishly and they look down their noses on all who will not be like them. You have found yourself in the midst of a group just like that before. Jesus has found himself in the midst of such a, a group on this particular occasion. And so Jesus is not an honored guest. Did you notice that? And that they watched him. I wonder what he's going to do. I hope he ain't going to do whatever he's done before. And then, oh man, we're going to be in trouble. Well, I don't know what's... All because he wasn't like them. They were very prideful. Jesus is in his own exhibition. And that's not a good feeling. Good manners were, was not customary of many of these Pharisees. Good manners were, were never to be found in the hearts and the lives of prideful people. They know nothing about it. And so Jesus the Christ, the one who should be extended great honor, did not even receive common everyday courtesy from these folks. So Jesus would then share with them a particular parable that they need to hear and that we need to hear even today. It's a reminder that while filled with pride and arrogance, these kind of people will fall. Now, Jesus said something that was about judgment in Matthew chapter 7. And I think that particular passage in Matthew 7, 1 through 5, is often misunderstood. I, I, I find that there are more people in the world that even don't even, they might even be atheists or agnostic, but they can quote that first verse of Matthew 7. Judge not lest you be judged. In other words, don't you dare. 
don't you call me something and you, you know. And so they can quote a Bible verse, but they take it all out of context because it's so supposed to be one through five. Don't be critical and guilty of hypocritical judgment and then don't be guilty of censorious judgment and the Pharisees were to be guilty of both. They would be, they would do both. I wanted you to see the setting in Luke 14 where Jesus the Christ was on display and our Lord, because prideful people had put him on exhibition right there. But proud people will fall when other people see through them. Look at uh, verse 7 of chapter 14, Luke 14. Look at verse 7. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms saying unto them. Jesus has already observed this before. And when they had bidden, look, I will see. He said unto them, when thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room. We wonder why. Lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. You see, there will always be somebody who's a little bit more important than you and me. There's always going to be somebody who's just a little bit more important than you and I. And so you don't want to be embarrassed, so don't rush up to the chief seats. That's what Jesus is saying here. Look at verse 9. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room, or the lesser seats, right? But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. Isn't that much better for somebody to come and say, Oh, you shouldn't be seated way back here. You come with me, and, I, and we'll, we'll bring you a little bit closer. We'll bring you up to a chief seat. It's so much better than having taken a chief seat and to be told to say, um, uh, you're, you're not supposed to be sitting there. You need to go to the back. Right? You need to go to the, you're sitting in the wrong place. You need to move back. You're not as important as you thought you were. Right? So proud people fall when other people see right through them. Now, I want you to think about a big banquet that's taking place and everybody wants to sit where? Well, they want to sit at the head table because what happens at the head table? Well, I mean, everybody's looking at you at the head table. <laughs> Boy, he must be somebody. Somebody of importance. I mean, I mean, look, he's at the head table. Why? I mean, that's, that's what everybody's doing. Why? But how do you feel when you're not permitted to sit at the head table and you have to sit among, out among the guests? Or how do you feel when you're back in the kitchen having to prepare the meal for all of the guests that are attending? George Bailey, great gospel preacher, he, 
He was honored several years ago at Freed Hardeman for his life's work in general. And Brother Bailey, if you know him, he's a, a great accomplishment. He's a very humble man. He doesn't want very much said at all about his accomplishment. And so he reluctantly accepted Freed Hardeman's invitation to come and receive the honor that was on that particular le lectureship. He heard all the accolades. He received their applause very graciously. But when that program was over that night, people couldn't find Brother Bailey. Well, where's Brother Bailey? I mean, we want to be able to congratulate him. We want to just shake his hand. We want, I mean, he's a, he's a great guy, and we want to congratulate him on his honor. We want to talk to him. Finally, he was found in the back part of the kitchen area and in this particular building at Fried Hardeman conversing one-on-one -on -one with the janitor. That's right. He was conversing with the custodian and then the building one-on-one, -on -one, right down on his level. That's George Bailey. And not seeking accolades from others, not seeking the applause of men, he could take that honor, he could appreciate it, and he can let it go. That says something, doesn't it? Just leave it alone. Sometime in our life, maybe we will receive some kind of honor, but we take it, we appreciate it, and then we leave it. Or at least that's what we should do. When will we ever learn, when will we ever learn that self-honor is no honor? That self-promotion is not promotion at all. And so the wise man states in Proverbs 27 2, he says, Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. If somebody else wants to do it, that's fine. But we don't do it concerning our self. You heard about the man who was given a badge for, for being so humble that they had to take it back because he wanted to wear it all the time, right? You see, that's not humbleness, is it? Some people will say, you know, I'm, I'm so very thankful, I'm so very humble. Well, I'm not sure that that person really is humble, is he? Filled with pride, a major, major problem today. Understand this about humility, and, and I've told you this many times before. It's, it's not thinking less of self. It's just thinking of self less. Okay? Now, there's something that's right about good self-esteem. We're made in the very image of God. Therefore, we'll take a certain degree of pride in, in ourselves. But humility is not thinking less of self but just of self-less. What's the key? Well, Jesus makes that very clear in verse 11 of Luke 14. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. That sounds so familiar to James 4.10, doesn't it? To humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Know this about proud people. They will fail for this reason, because they're pushy. They're pushy. <laughs> you 
People generally just don't care for pushy people. That illustration that Jesus gives in Luke 14 where people just running down to get the chief seats, there's a lot of strife. There's a lot of contention whenever people are being pushy, trying to get ahead of somebody else. Oh, we've seen the, we've seen the videos come Black Friday, right? Oh, tell you what, I don't want to be in that mess. Because that's pretty bad, isn't it? I mean, they, those people are relentless. They're pushy. And they'll walk right over you and stomp you to death to get whatever it is they want to get. You know, you've probably seen the football games or any sports events where the gates and the doors would open and everybody's got to get to that 50-yard line or right in the smack dab middle of that particular sport event, whatever it might be, because that's the best seat. And they will not care what happens to you on their way to that seat. On that way, it's almost humorous what Jesus is saying here, that the people who are so proud of themselves, they're rushing to get the chief seats, but they are pushy people. Jesus gives this illustration. Here are people who are trying to get ahead, but they ended up humiliated because of it. Did not the writer of Proverbs say that when pride cometh, then cometh shame. That's right. Proverbs 11 two. How is that true? Well, people are always trying to convince others that they are so much better than them. That they are superior, eventually becoming what? A laughing stock. Man, you see, they get a bad name. and Nobody wants to be around them. As a matter of fact, if you boast about yourself, that means here's what you will be doing. You will be exaggerating, right? Find a person who wants to boast about himself all the time, and what will he start doing? He'll start exaggerating, and exaggeration leads to what? A falsehood, telling a story, telling a lie, right? Telling something about yourself that's not true. And finally, Here's what people will say about that proud person. You know, I'm telling you, you, you can't believe a word he says. You can't believe anything. I, you know it. He's always talking that way. You can't believe anything about him. Proud people, pushy people, bound to fail. Now, I'm interested in success. I'm interested in your success. And I'm preaching from 1 Corinthians 13 because it is the key to our success. It's the key to your success. And Paul says, I want you to succeed too. And you will do that by letting love reign supremely in your heart. But he says, love envies not. Love is not boastful. Love is not filled with pride. What is God's view of this thing called pride? Well, all you have to do is sometime go back to Daniel chapter 4 and look at what happened to Nebuchadnezzar because he was lifted up with pride. Well, all you had to do is go to Luke chapter 12 and read about that foolish farmer who said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down these barns and build bigger barns, right? Well, 
Then say, so sit back, take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God says, you're a fool, buddy. You're a fool. This night, your soul will be required of you. You want to see what happens to people who are filled with pride? Read Acts chapter 12 and read about King Herod, who allowed that audience people to give him praise and adoration as if indeed he was a god. He accepted it. And he was eaten by worms, the text says. That's God's view of pride. But the 1 Corinthians 13 kind of Christian is the one that's approved by God. He doesn't envy. He is the very opposite of pride. He is humbled because of it. Before honor is humility, Proverbs 15, 33. You see... Nothing is more empty than the self-centered life. But nothing is more centered than the selfless life. I hope that I was able to help you in understanding more about what it takes to be a 1 Corinthians 13 kind of Christian. And that is to understand more about that love that Paul was writing about there in 1 Corinthians 13. If you're here not a Christian, can we encourage you to become one? Today might be the day. Today might be the day. In the next hour, it could be the time. In the next minute, it could be the time. Don't put it off any longer. Obey the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. By believing that Jesus is the Son of God, repentance of your sins, making that good confession of his name, and then putting the Lord on a baptism for the remission of your sins. All things are ready. We're about to sing a song of encouragement that might help you understand that it's the blood of Jesus that washes away those sins, but you had to come in contact with it through baptism. Based upon your faith and believing that Jesus is the Son of God, your repentance and your good confession. You might be here already a child of God. You wandered away. Come back. Be right once again. Maybe you've been lifted up with pride. Maybe you're filled with pride, but make things right. Repent of those things. Pray that God will forgive you. We're here for you. We'll do whatever we can to help you. Won't you come? As together we stand and sing.